So good to see you guys. Two or three things. One, at 1.15 today in the student building, we've got a newcomer's luncheon. And if you've not been to one of those, that's how you officially join. I'll be sharing my heart about Wood's Edge. Would love to have you here. There are potbelly sandwiches. We've got uh, room for you. And uh, if you've got kids, uh, there's child care available for them. It's 1.15 after a second service. If you need to leave and come back, you can do that. And we'd love to have you. Also, tomorrow night begins Regen. And that's going to be a powerful ministry, Regen, Discipleship Ministry for Christ, all kind of brokenness and healing. And that starts tomorrow night. Uh, let me just mention to this this service, I probably should say this sort of thing uh, more, but I, I'm aware that in, a, in the second service, this service, we're too crowded. And uh, uh, family of five comes in at the end visiting. Uh, there's not five seats together. And, and I, so I know that uh, some folks, just, eh, I'm not going to go to that crowded church. Um, but hang on with us. We're, we're, we've just about, uh, we're, we're building another building over there. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to have uh, go from three services in the morning in this room to two services back-to-back on both sites. And so at 9 and 1045. And so this, this congregation could, could go to either the 9 or the 1045, and they'll be on both places. And uh, so hang on. Uh, meanwhile, if this is just too crowded for you, there's plenty of room at the uh, 815 service, if you can handle that one. <laughs> And some room at the 1130 service. So, all right. The book of Acts is the unforgettable story of the early church and its expansion throughout the Roman Empire. And the, the story is charged with the presence and the power of God, with the miraculous, with healings, with uh, people coming to faith left and right, with incredible uh, generosity and community. It's just an astounding tale. Presence of God. And this is where we've been so far. In Acts 1, Jesus takes his disciples up on the top of the Mount of Olives just east of the temple, and he ascends up into heaven. From there, he'll be coming back to the Mount of Olives one day. Acts 2, God pours out his Holy Spirit on the uh, incipient church there, and uh, all kind of things happen. Peter preaches, 3,000 people will come to faith and are baptized, and Pentecost, the outpouring of the Spirit, begins then. And then Acts 3, there's a major healing of a guy that everybody knows who's been paralyzed for 40 years. And uh, there's another huge crowd that gathers. Peter again preaches. 5,000 more come to faith. Then Acts 4, they're arrested and they're threatened. They better stop preaching Jesus. You know, the religious authorities are trying to stamp this out. Their lives are threatened. And what they do is, is they go back to their church family and they, they don't go back and brainstorm and strategize, but they go back and they, they have a prayer meeting, and they're calling out to God. And then after that, we saw it last week, there was this incredible generosity in the early church. That's the end of Acts 4, first of Acts 5. Then we come to our passage today in Acts 5, 12. And if you'd stand with me, I want to read it. And it's, an, it's quite a passage, so check this out. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. 
This is God's holy word, church. Please be seated. Okay. Remember I said in, in, in Acts 4, uh, after the threat, they came out of the church, they called a prayer meeting. This is what they prayed at the end of their prayer. This is Acts 4, 29 and 30. They said, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then we've got that little interlude about there's great generosity. And then our passage. So is today's passage not a fulfillment directly of that prayer? When they pray, Lord, stretch out your hand to, to heal, and Lord, may signs and wonders be performed in the name of Jesus. And then after the generosity piece, our passage, and it's happening all over the place. It's happening left and right. In fact, dramatically, three of the five verses emphasize it. It is the main point of the passage. Verse 12, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. So right now, primarily, maybe exclusively through the apostles, that would change. Verse 15, they even carried their sick into the streets and laid them on mats and cots. I take it the mats would be on the ground, the cots would be a little bit off the ground. And as Peter's uh, shadow fell upon them when he walked by, so they you know, found out the afternoon sun where it would be, they lined the cots up, Peter's going to be walking by there, and God is healing them. I mean, whoa. And then in 16, the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, so demonized people also. So they're coming from the surrounding area, just like when Jesus was alive, people bringing them from all over. And note the last five words of that verse. And they were all healed. One of the things that we see in the life of Jesus in all four Gospels and in the earliest days of the church is that nobody is prayed for to get healing and not get healed. Later in the New Testament, we'll see a few examples of this. But uh, we see healing all through the Bible, but especially in the Gospels and in the early church. Perhaps God is especially authenticating that this Gospel is from Him, the fulfillment of long prophecy, and God is healing left and right. Can you imagine being in that church and how exciting that must have been? Left and right, people are getting healed. They were all healed. Now, the people in Jerusalem are having a a paradoxical response to the early church. We see that in 13, where we read, None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Now, so they're, by now, there are probably 15,000, 20,000 believers in Jerusalem, but there's a lot of non-believers there, and this is what we were talking about here, that none of the other unbelievers would dare join them, because if they joined them, they'd be kicked out of the synagogue, and there would be persecution. So already the persecution is rising, and lives are being threatened. But also, they were held in high esteem because they could just see the remarkable things that are happening there besides the love and the community and the generosity, the miraculous and the presence of God. And, and so they were torn. And we're going to see more and more people come to Christ, including priests, the Bible points out. So there was both fear and favor for the people about the early church. And then in 14, and more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So, I mean, left and right, they're coming to Christ more than ever. God is at work saving them. And, uh, you know, the, this was by now a very large church. But, but the issue is never, 
how big is the church? That's never the issue. The issue is always, are there some unsaved people out there to reach? And of course, there was in their day, there is in our day. And so all of us, we too are on mission for the people on our street, for the people in our apartment complex, for our top five, for folks at work. We always want to be praying, seeking God, looking for opportunities to love them, care for them, serve them, share Christ with them, all of us. Now, we're going to get to healing because that's clearly the main part of the passage, but I've got just a little parenthesis to put in here. Have you noticed as we've been through the book of Acts that by far the lead prominent role has been Peter? You know, it began in Acts 2 when God pours out his spirit. It is Peter who stands up to preach, and 3,000 come to faith and are baptized. And then the very next chapter, Acts 3, Peter and John are coming to the end of the temple, they see a, a man paralyzed from birth, 40 years, everybody knows about him. It's Peter who says, uh, I don't have money, but uh, what I do, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, walk. And he gets a major healing. Thousands gather to see this, check this out, and 5,000 more come to faith. And then in Acts 4, when they're arrested, threatened, it's Peter who speaks to them and says, you know, we're going to keep preaching Jesus. And then last week in Acts in the 4 and 5, uh, clearly it's Peter that they're selling their possessions and bringing the money, and, they, and Peter is, is the leader there. And so it's Peter clearly in the early church, and we know what happened at the end of all four Gospels, that it is Peter at, at the moment of crisis of Jesus, it is Peter who famously disowns Jesus and denies him and deserts him and betrays him. You know, someone has pointed out that what he has done at the life of Jesus is not that different than what Judas did. Both betrayed Jesus. But Judas is overwhelmed by his guilt and commits suicide. But Peter is willing to believe that the grace of God is bigger than his sin. And God chooses that failed man to be the leader by far in the early church. Telling you and me, for all time, God uses people who have failed, like you, like me. No perfect people out there. Now, later on in the book of Acts, the prominent person will become the baton will be shifted from Peter to Paul. Did Paul fail ever in his life? Well, he was the main persecutor of the church. He hated Jesus. He was a murderer. Anybody in the Old Testament fail? Any of the heroes there? What about Abraham who's lying about his wife and exposing her to harm? Then the second big figure would be Moses. Well, he committed murder and did other things. And then there's David. I mean, he was such a failure. Do you see a pattern going on here? Do you think that God might be underscoring for us who, who have a tendency to listen to the lies of the enemy and take ourselves out of the game because of residual guilt? Do you think that God might be saying to you and me, let that go because my son did not die for nothing on the cross. Don't waste the blood of Jesus. And don't be listening to Satan. God is saying to you this morning, if you are still living with residual guilt from some failure in the past, let it go. In fact, I'd say to you, this morning, right now, take it to the cross of Jesus and leave it there. 
for the rest of your life. If you've been carrying a load of guilt around for past failure, and that's probably most of us, bring it to the cross. Lord, I bring this to you. I'm seeing it there, Lord God, and I'm seeing it covered by the blood of Jesus. And I'm walking away in freedom. Receive it. Okay, that was all a parenthesis. Let's go back to the passage. The point of the passage, you always look for the point of the passage, the purpose of the passage. The purpose of the passage is healing. What is God saying to you and me about healing? And it's all through the book of Acts. It's all through the New Testament. And let me just sort of give you a biblical summary of healing. One, God heals people all through the Bible, especially in the life of Jesus and the early church, but all through the Bible. Healing is one of the signs that the kingdom of God is present. And perhaps that's why it especially is emphatic when uh, Jesus is on the planet. But healing indicates the presence of the king, and you carry the king inside you. Tolkien, the writer, a Christian, wrote, The hands of the king are the hands of a healer, and so shall the rightful king be known. One New Testament scholar wrote, Jesus, Paul, and the rest of the early church lived in regular expectation that God would heal people's physical bodies. The expectation was based in part on the Old Testament promises that in the Messianic age, God would heal his people. Only among the intellectuals and in a scientific age is it thought to be too hard for God to heal the sick. Unfortunately, that, that unbelief bleeds over into the church today, much of the church today. You guys may be aware of Augustine. He's considered, widely considered the, the, the greatest theologian in the church since the New Testament. By the way, you folks from Africa here, he's African. He's from Hippo, somewhere around Tunisia in today's world. And uh, he's a brilliant theologian and a man of God. He did not really believe that God was still healing people in his day, and he lived, it, by the way, in the late 300s. And one day a brother and a sister came to his town, and they were seeking healing for their convulsive seizures. And they came every day to Augustine's church to pray for healing. And the young man, a, a, a brother and sister, the young man was in the church praying. Augustine was not quite in the church yet, but the young man fell down as if dead. And the people nearby were seized with fear. But the next moment, the young man gets up, stares out at the people, and he's perfectly normal and fully cured. Now, Augustine by then is in the place, and, and he takes that young man home for lunch. Uh, Augustine is single, takes him home for lunch, and, and asks him all about this. And, and by talking with this man, he's, his skepticism is beginning to crumble by hearing this story. Finally, on the third day after Easter, Augustine had the brother and the sister stand on the choir steps so the whole congregation could see them. One is quiet and normal, and the other is still trembling compulsively while he read a statement from the young man. He then had everybody sit down, and, began, and he began a sermon on healing. He, however, was quickly interrupted by shouts from the congregation for the young woman over in that area had fallen to the ground like her brother had sometime before. And she, too, uh, stands back up and she's completely healed, instantaneously healed. And in Augustine, as Augustine's words, praise to God, was shouted so loud that my ears could scarcely stand the dent. And, and all this happened while... Augustine was writing his magnum opus, his theological, big, thick theological uh, tome. And he, so he included in the final sections about the miracles of healing that were occurring in his own town. 
And he described, they set up a process for recording and validating these miracles. Quote, once I realized how many miracles were occurring in our own day, I saw how wrong it would be to allow the memory of those marvels, uh, of these marvels of divine power, to perish from among our people. It is only two years that the keeping of records was begun here in Hippo, and already at this, as of this writing, we have nearly 70 attested miracles. So Augustine, this tiring intellect, uh, could not escape the evidence that God was healing. You know, it just made me think, as I was talking about the first service, I wish all of you could hear all the stories that I hear about healing here at Woods Edge. Over the years, when a passage is brought up healing, I've told you examples, and I'm going to tell you a few more today. Uh, but I, I don't think I hear them all, because sometimes I, I hear about, okay, six months ago this happened. Uh, but I hear probably more than you do, and, and I wish we all could hear them. Maybe we'll figure out some way to keep them all. But let me tell you three of them right now. Okay, uh, there's a, a, a new couple in our church, Wes and Nicole Bodie. I met them two Sundays ago. I think it was two Sundays ago. Last Wednesday night after the prayer service, I was talking with Wes. You see them here. And this is going to be dramatic healing with Nicole. And I know she looks awfully healthy there, but I've also seen a picture when she does not look healthy. And um, that wasn't too long ago. Here's the story. Wes was telling me more detail last Wednesday night, four days ago. A few years ago, she, she was a diagnosed with aggressive sarcoma on her pancreas. She's 27 years old. I think they're in Colorado at the time. Were you in Colorado at the time? Um, they're sitting on the second row here. And, and they moved to Houston to get treatment at MD Anderson. Her surgeon at MD Anderson is considered the world's expert on this kind of surgery. Does 80 or 90 of these surgeries a year. Now, now to be clear, my understanding, it's not pancreatic cancer, but it is a tumor, a large tumor on her pancreas, and that's his specialty. Now, uh, she had some treatments. In fact, she had a, a surgery and a chemo, but they weren't able to get all of the tumor. So at some time later, they're going to have another surgery. And um, two weeks before the surgery, they're again in there with their surgeon. And he's showing them on the CT scan uh, her abdomen area and the tumor. And, and they can see it on the tumor. And this past Wednesday night, Wes pulls out his iPhone and shows me a video of the CT scan. I can see it too. It's, it's the doctor showing them all, all around. And then two weeks later, she has the surgery. The, this world's expert opens her up, and there's nothing there. It's gone completely. And, yay God, and, uh, okay, the world's expert, he does 80 or 90 days a year. He's never seen this happen. And, and um, every three months since then, two years since that, then they do a scan just to say, you know, is it still really gone? And it is still really gone. And before the surgery, God healed the tumor. And you got medical evidence right there. And I've seen it. And um, MD Anderson, Wes was telling me on Wednesday, I got a kick out of this. MD Anderson says they call this an anomaly, <laughs> unusual event. I call it a prayer hearing God. Could y'all stand and let us just give, give a big shout out to God for us? Uh, no, no, Wes and Nicole Sam. Right there, just them. Looks pretty healthy, doesn't she? All righty. Okay, I was talking to Wes uh, on Wednesday night about this, and then another couple from our church came up, Steve and Jill Adolph, whom I've known for a number of years. And uh, Steve and Jill, where are you? Oh, they're right there too. I had them come up, sit close, because I want to talk about them. Okay, it's not about them. They've got a 14-year-old daughter, Mia, and... Um, 
Here's the story that they told me. Uh, this was last Wednesday night about a healing that happened the previous Saturday. Here's the story. Mia, that you can see in the picture, is 14 years old. And for three and a half years, she has been struggling with a disorder of the vagal nerve called dysautonomia. And it results in extremely low blood pressure in the mornings. She can barely get out of bed. She has fatigue, anxiety, dizziness, nausea, migraines. You know, it's a debilitating illness. Can you imagine being 11, 12, 13, 14 and having that kind of an illness? Well, this past Saturday was Freedom. If y'all were here early, you saw the, the um, video on that. And, you know, she's going to go despite her sickness. Uh, Saturday morning, uh, Justin Omer has them uh, listen to God, see what God has to say to them, turn to a passage in the Bible. She opens her Bible, turns to Psalm 6-4, which says, Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. And she said that at verse didn't just, just hit her right then, but it stuck with, stuck with her throughout the day. It just kept being on her mind. So that night when they gathered for their worship service, which is probably what we saw the video clip from or something like that, um, they were beginning to worship. But before the worship service, she just felt her symptoms coming back, and it just you know, wasn't looking good for her. Uh, but she goes, they begin worshiping, and they come to a song called, um, what's the name of that song? I Came Right Out of That Grave. You'd, you'd, if, if I sang it, you'd remember it, but I'm not going to sing it. Thank God. And um, Okay, so this is a lively song, and the, then the kids start jumping up and down. And, and she, she wants to join in on this and the exuberance, but she, she, the fear is that if she starts jumping, she'll pass out. But she felt the Lord whisper to her, go ahead. So she does. And at her first jump, she, she feels this strange feeling sweep through her body, inside and outside. It was like a whoosh, she described it. I talked to her on, on Wednesday night. It's like a whoosh. She is instantly healed. And still today. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you got it. Stand up, please. This is Steve. These are the parents, Steve and Jill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mom and dad are pretty pleased about that. Okay, I got one more. We got a three-year-old three girl in our church, Sydney Payne. A couple of months ago, I heard her story. I talked with her mom. I heard it came through our prayer chain. Then I heard it. That's Sydney. Isn't she beautiful? Um, uh, and just my heart goes out to this family, what they've been through. Um, and so here's Sydney's story. She was born with a heart disease, cardiomyopathy, and, and she was immediately, because of her heart problem, was rushed to Texas Children's ICU. Four weeks later, she receives a heart transplant. So if you can imagine, four weeks old, a heart transplant. And um, she survives that as a miracle. And, and Sarah, Sarah's about on the third row. Sarah told me the story, and I wish I remembered all the details, Sarah, but it was something like this. She's down there, and this... Uh, janitor speaks to her and with all confidence assures her your daughter's going to get healed and, and later she's checking on who, who, who's that janitor and nobody know that janitor didn't exist so it's a janitor angel and um, um so she survives that and um then sometime later sydney is diagnosed with cancer with bone marrow cancer and um so now they've got that challenge and uh, the doctor, all the medical team at Texas Children thought she was going to die. In fact, not, not uncommonly, Sarah was told, okay, it's tonight, probably, you know, she's going to die. And so she was told that often. 
but um, as you're going to see, she did not die. And um, they take her to Philadelphia Children's Hospital, which I have heard for years is the best children's hospital in the world. And um, doctors there cannot believe that she's still alive after everything she's gone through, just like at Texas Children's. Only two people have had both a heart transplant and a bone marrow cancer. One died, one lived. Sydney's the third. But her bone marrow cancer is very aggressive. And in November, I think it's about then that I, Sarah, learned about the story. I began praying daily, and others began praying. And um, uh, it's very aggressive cancer. And so in November, she, she's taken in to, to get another biopsy to see how bad the disease has gotten now. And to everybody's shock, it had reversed itself. And that has never happened. It doesn't reverse itself apart from a transplant. And, and on its own, it's reversed itself. And there's no medical explanation for it. And uh, her mother, Sarah, has said, I know why it's gone. It is because of God. So could you, hold on just a second. Could, could all four of y'all stand up and, and he, the dad will be holding the uh, Sydney. Turn around if you don't mind. Show them. <laughs> Keep praying for Sydney. God heals today, all over the world, every day. Um, many people at Woods Edge have been healed. I have been dramatically healed when I was four years old from some, something they thought was leukemia or Bryce's disease. Uh, when I was 57 years old, um, God began a healing process for me that's really I'm healed from a very severe OCD. And many of you could report the same thing, that God's healing grace. At times, God heals instantaneously and miraculously, like me when I'm four. At times, God heals gradually over months and years, like for me when I'm 57, uh, the mental. Uh, sometimes God heals medically using physicians in medicine and I thank God for modern medicine got some medical people out there thank God for you and at times God heals in heaven I mean you're not going to live forever on this earth unless Jesus comes back you're going to die and so sometimes your healing our final healing for all of us is going to be in heaven one question on a biblical overview of healing is this why doesn't God heal miraculously at the level that we see in the Gospels and in the early book of Acts? Why don't we see that kind of healing? And this is how I'd answer it. i got five or six things to say about it. First thing i got to say about it is I don't know. Um, second thing is he is God and I'm not. And he has reasons that we don't fully understand. And that's part of the whole faith journey is we don't fully understand a lot. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. At times, God heals people that we wouldn't expect Him to heal. And at times, God doesn't heal people that we would expect Him to heal. Certainly, we know this. God is not like a genie in a bottle where we just say the command, say the right word, say it the right way, and He does what we say. He is not a genie. He is the sovereign, holy God. And we do not put Him in a little box. And we worship Him. He is worthy of our worship. Now, on an overview of healing, I think we ought to admit some stuff. 
sometimes we don't really pray, at least like what we ought, or we stop, we start praying and we stop. And Jesus says in Luke 18, 1, you ought to always pray and not give up. So maybe at times we've stopped praying too early. And then the Bible t says a fair bit about, you know, if, if you're living in overt sin, just, just say you, you're watching internet pornography or some other sin, your overt sin, uh, don't expect God to answer your prayers. Your, your sin is a block here. So first thing we need to do is get rid of any sin in our life. But even if you've done that and you're praying, you're praying steadfastly, I mean, I've got a 12-year-old granddaughter that I've been praying for miraculous healing for my wife and I have for 12 years. Hadn't seen it. Um, and, and you know, too, that, that, that sort of thing. Um, in general, God has his own reasons why he heals at times and at times why he doesn't miraculously and instantly but this is what we do know all through the bible god tells us when we've got a need ask him to provide that need he says that all through the bible there is no bigger emphasis than prayer and nobody emphasizes the asking part of prayer more than jesus christ think about matthew 7 7 through 11 think about luke 11 1 through 13 think about the upper room discourse, John 14 and 15. I mean, nobody emphasizes Jesus. Ask, ask, ask. You got a need? Ask. Now, there's some things I don't understand about healing, but I can understand that. Ask. And so I don't know about you, but I'm not going to wait till I understand. I'm going to obey and I'm going to ask because Jesus tells us to. In fact, James 4 2 says, You have not because you ask not. I mean, it wouldn't be a tragedy to get to heaven and you, you, you missed out on a bunch of things because you never asked. And moreover, besides the entire biblical teaching, uh, James 5 is explicit and clear when it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So this is what the Bible says very clearly. Okay, if you're sick... Uh, you got some elders in that church, uh, call them to pray for you. And, and actually, uh, we do this every Sunday morning, elders and prayer partners. We do it every Wednesday night. And once every six weeks, we devote the whole service to healing. And, and um, there's a, a very specific command. If you're sick, ask the elders to, to, to pray for healing. I, I think that's um, the church at large in the United States. I don't think that's true here, but I think the Church of the Lord of the United States, that, that's, if, if it's not the most disobeyed command in the Bible, it's top three. Uh, some of us are practical atheists. We give live service. But what we've got is a form of religion, and we deny the power of it. And if you're never calling for elders or getting prayed for by, by other people, something is wrong in your spiritual life unless you're an exceedingly healthy person. And if you're over 50, you need it. Because <laughs> we all need it. Um, Start doing it. Obey the Lord. Understanding can wait. Obedience cannot. Let's be clear. There is no right way to pray for healing. There's no formula. We, we as humans want to kind of always revert to a formula and some rules. This is a relationship, not a rule book. Jesus didn't have a formula for how he pray. There's no way to pray. Just ask him to heal. Uh, what, what, what God's looking for is a heart to, to trust him, to call out to him. And every time you call out to him, to some extent, that's, it's revealing faith. Uh, pray with surrender. 
Remember, Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. Pray for his glory. All those things. Now, it seems to me, looking at healing in the United States today, I I think of three big mistakes and errors that I see in the church, various parts of the church. Maybe you, you don't struggle with any of them, but some Christians don't really believe that God heals today. Uh, that, that's some of you. you. You don't really pray for it in a serious way. Maybe a little bit of lip service, but then, you know, all about the medicine. Now, th- I thank God for medicine. I use medicine. Um, but I am also going to be praying big time for healing. Um, secondly, another era is those folks who assume that God is going to heal everybody instantly and miraculously, and if they don't get healed, it's their problem. They didn't have enough faith. How cruel and how unbiblical is that? Um, a third era, and I think all of us have a tendency to this for this one, is the third era is to focus on healing is the main thing. Healing is never the main thing. Jesus is the main thing. We don't have an idol. Put nothing else before God. We are going to worship and obey and serve Jesus whether or not there's healing. We're going to pursue the Lord. Maybe the best perspective on healing is the prayer by Norwegian pastor Ole Hallesbay, which I, I regularly cite whenever I deal with healing. Lord, if it, is, if it will be to your glory, heal suddenly. If it will glorify you more, heal gradually. If it will glorify you even more, may your servant remain sick for a while. And if it will glorify your name still more, take him to yourself in heaven. That is an attitude of faith and surrender, trusting God and perspective. Many of you are familiar with the name Johnny Erickson Tata. She was famous in the 70s particularly. She was 18 years old when she dove into a a lake and uh, she broke her neck and she was a quadriplegic. She was an athlete. Uh, In the subsequent years, uh, she became sort of a worldwide famous Christian writer and speaker. Uh, She talks about uh, sometime back being over in Jerusalem and she goes to the, the pool of Bethesda. Some of you have been there with me. The pool of Bethesda where Jesus heals the man who'd been paralyzed for 38 years. And she apparently asked the others with her to give her space and just let me be alone here. And this is what she says about that time. She says this. While I was there alone, just with myself and with my Savior, tears streaming down my face, this is what she prayed. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for a no answer to a request for physical healing. You... You really knew what you were doing for so many years ago because a no answer to a request for physical healing has purged so much sin out of my life, so much selfishness and bitterness. Oh, God, that no, that no answer to a request for physical healing has meant that I'm depending more on your grace. It's increasing my compassion for others who are hurt and disabled. It's helped me put complaining behind me. It has pushed me to give thanks in times of sorrow. It has increased my faith. It has strengthened my hope of heaven. It's made me love you so much more, so much more. And I would not trade it for any amount of walking. That, she says this, that is the deeper healing. That's the real healing. I can tell you, I thank God that God healed me instantaneously and miraculously when I was four years old. I wouldn't be here today if not. But I can thank God that I struggled horribly with mental disease for 35 years. Wouldn't want it on my worst enemy. Don't really have a worst enemy, but if I have one, I wouldn't want that on anybody. But God has reshaped my soul through not getting that answered when I was 21, but when I was 57 and later. 
God is God and God is good. Look at the cross. And one day, we will all know it. It will be clear. We have a prayer service every Wednesday night, which we pray for healing. Once every six weeks or so, we, uh, we devote the whole service to healing. We'll do that this coming Wednesday. Every Sunday morning, we have elders and prayer partners up here, and they pray about all kinds of things, not just physical healing. If you've never been up here, don't you know anybody in your life that needs healing? Come on. Um, this is my thought, church. I've been praying for healing for a long time, and though we've seen a number, we don't see near as much as I'd love to see. Is that true for you? I want to see so much more. For God's glory. For the sake of His church. What if all of us started praying regularly, maybe daily, that God would pour out healing at Wood's Edge? Would you be in for that? I mean, you would benefit, wouldn't you? Would you join me in regularly praying for healing? Just like an explorer. Put your hand up if you will. That's a lot of people praying for healing. Would you do that for God's glory? Would you stand with me? Before I close in prayer, can I remind us, healing is not the main thing. And the biggest healing we need is healing from sin. Because if I get healing from physical problems, that might give me another 30 years, maybe another 70 years. But if I get healing from my sin, that's an eternity. And that is far more important. And if you've ever been here and you've not had your sin washed clean by Jesus Christ, right now, just breathe a prayer and say, Jesus, save me from my sin. And he will. He will. And then you later tell one of the prayer partners up here so they can pray over you. Let me pray. Lord, would you please pour out more healing at Wood's Edge for your glory? For your glory. We need it. There's a lot of people here in this room now, Lord God, who need healing right now. Or we've got close loved ones who need healing. Lord, would you please pour out your healing touch even now throughout this room. We pray it together in Christ's name.